we are prioritizing the money instead of the love for this sport that we have. The people that are put in the position, in the power position, who are they? Right? They are not football people. Did you like Quiras as a, as a guy? No, no, I did not like him one bit. I don't like. I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like his two face. Um, his two face uh, attitude. Have you heard the Michael Anthony show? What it is today is not what I fell in love with, and it's almost as if I'm rebelling towards what this new blood is trying to bring in. Giorgio Chiellini, Nemanja Vidic, Rio Ferdinand, Cannavaro, come on. The sinking sand of despair The smell of dread in the air I'm head to toe in my own fear I'm going to die and I need to cry Welcome back <clears throat> to the Michael Anthony Show for episode 152. And today we're delighted to be joined by footballing legend Giuseppe Rossi, um, the American Zola in many ways. How are you, Giuseppe? I'm fine, man. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a privilege to talk to you because obviously as a young guy, your time at Manchester United was something of extreme intrigue. You came with Jared Piquet in the summer of 04. Yes. You've had a great career, obviously, we all know. Um, Villarreal, you were the top goal scorer at that club for quite a long time. Yes. Um, looking back on it now, though, with United, is it something that you wish went a bit differently? Do, do you kind of struggle to watch United again because you know that that number 10 role that we struggled with in the era when we wanted Schneider in, we wanted Ozil in, that was your role. That was made for you. Rossi off Rooney, what would we have done? Gosh, man. I mean, uh, I have to say, my time at Manchester United was amazing. I mean, they were the they were the first uh, team to sign me to a professional contract at 17, give me my first game um, at professional level, the first time that I was around, you know, a first team and uh, and what a first team it was, right? I mean, I had the likes of, um, of Van Nistelrooy up top mm. with me, Rooney up top with me, yeah. uh, Ronaldo, he was... Uh, he was there doing his thing. Uh, Luis Saha. I mean, you're talking yeah. about players who, who, um, who have great careers. One of the best players uh, all time with Ronaldo, Rooney, Van Nistelrooy. I mean, I don't think I ever saw any number nine in these past 20 years play like uh, play like Rude. The way yeah. he finishes, the way he yeah. moves in the box. You and, know what I mean? and, and some people, some people take it away from Rude because he only won one league in five years. But I've always been such a Rude Van Nistelrooy guy. Was it was it just otherworldly the way he used to go about his business? Nah, come on, man. I mean, you can't. I I don't think you can measure a player just because you won one trophy. I mean, I don't know. I'm one of those people that I don't look too much in the trophy case. I just look at the player himself and how he plays the game. And listen, Rude, the he wasn't the fastest, he wasn't the strongest, but he was just so smart and quick in those late in those in those little tight spaces in the box. He his first touch on the ball, which gave him that space to just finish. I mean such like little things that you know i saw him work on on and on and on uh every single training session not too many people could pull that off and i was lucky enough to have had him in front of me 
I was lucky and unlucky too, right? Just because, you know, talking about uh, before, do I have any regret or that I wish that, you know, stayed on? Of mm. course, I wish that, that I stayed on. I have my conversations uh, with the boss, Ferguson. Um, and at that time, there was uh, Carlos Queiroz. Carlos Queiroz, he had a big influence on what was happening with the team then. Uh, he brought his players on that summer, Nani and uh, and uh, Anderson and Anderson. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you know he had uh, he had a lot of interest in trying to push his players forward. And what, was I the buyback that. clause? Was the buyback clause true? Because that's something we always dreamt of, especially in the the twenty eleven season when he got the thirty four goals or whatever. It was like we need to get Rossi back. Are those buyback yeah. clauses just things that they tell the fans, or what was the story and why didn't no, it happen? No. It was there. It was there. It was always. Um, it was always uh, there. Um, whatever happened, I guess during those seasons, you know, uh, I guess there wasn't any there was any interest. I mean, you know, Rooney was doing his thing, and uh, and um, you know, Manchester United uh, they won the European Cup, so you know, if interest you, if, probably. If you, if you didn't get the ACL in the eleven twelve season after the yeah. season you just had in ten eleven, and you're what you're mid twenties here, you're you're twenty five, twenty six years of age. Do you think United yeah, come knocking in the summer of twelve, possibly for you? Truthfully, I, I probably, I definitely was not going to be at Villarreal. Um, I had a paper signed to go to Barcelona already. Okay. Um, um, I had Barcelona signed. I had Juventus that wanted me, but I wasn't able to go uh, due to financial things. Um, but yeah, Barcelona was all signed. Contracts were done, and that would have been under and, Guardiola. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. That would have been under Guardiola, under Pep. Exactly, it would have been under Pep, and um, and that was arguably one of the best teams in the history of the game. Uh, what was it? The 2011-2012 team. That was just an unbelievable. 10, 11, uh, that was just an unbelievable side, and that would have been an honor. Um, unfortunately, uh, Barcelona um, wanted too much uh, bonus, meaning if he plays an X amount of games, if we if Barcelona gets in the Champions League. Uh, so a lot of variables to which Villarreal didn't, uh, they really didn't agree to. They wanted more upfront money. <clears throat> so um, so that so that was the only reason why uh, that did not go through. How did you have the uh, confidence like w- when you arrive at somewhere like United? Because obviously you have 30 Italy caps. A lot of yeah. people would just think that Giuseppe Rossi is Italian. But you're American trained. You, you played your youngest football in America and without question, probably the best product to come out of an American system, really, there, there ever was. I mean, if you look at the top 10 American footballers of mm-hmm. all time, you nearly have to have Brian McBride in there. It, is, it isn't a country that's overly produced quality. How did you have the audacity then to leave America scoring goals for a, a middle school or whatever and go to Parma and then eventually go to Manchester United and, and hit the ground running in a way that the standards of United then might think we don't know yet. But if you're at United now, I mean, mm-hmm. in the first the first... I remember the Barnett game when he got the brace, yeah. that second goal, yeah. phenomenal. If a youngster does that now for United, he's, he's, he's playing 10 Premier League games that season, probably <laughs> from the start. And he still got 4-12 and 12 in that season at United. And then the start of the next season, you go to Newcastle. It was very tough to break in. But yes, actually, even Roy Keane tells a story of one of your first training sessions at United and, and how you grew on him. <laughs> And that was when I actually he was, read that. Yeah, he, he I was, actually read that um, in his book. Yes, I read that quote that he put. <laughs> he was trying to give you, he was trying to go through you for not playing the ball properly. And you just kind of looked at him as if to say, fuck off. And Keane, being the kind of psychopath that he is, he goes, I, I'm into that. 
how did you have the confidence? How did you know you were that good? Was it because you came from such a football-loving Italian family that you never really viewed yourself as an American product, or, or was it just natural ability? How many goals were you scoring per middle school game in America to be Giuseppe Rossi, 20? Oh, gosh. I mean, listen, back in the day when I was younger, growing up in America, a lot of goals were scored, yes. Um, but I, I just love the game. Um, I love the game. I would get up every Sunday and at, at 9 o'clock where my – AC Milan uh, jersey together okay. with my father, and I would be watching all the games. Yeah, so you uh, came father. from that. Yeah, you, you had that advantage exactly. over other Americans. You came from the lineage. It was in it was in the blood exactly. of the family. Exactly, exactly, man. My father, he was huge. He was a huge, huge soccer fan. So he gave me all the all this love for the game. And you know, we trained out in the backyard every day, and you know, watching games. My father would call me, "Hey, a game is on." I would run and watch. So. It was always, always around me, and um, and that was ju uh, just like you said. It was the advantage that I had over all these other kids, to where I loved the game. I just didn't play it. I loved it, and um, <clears throat> and I was very good at it, obviously. And uh, my father was like, "Listen, uh, I, I would love to see you um, compete against uh, players in Europe because Europe is Europe, and that's the motherland for soccer." So I went to, you know, three straight years, nine, 10, and 11 years old. I went uh, to a soccer academy in the summer. I played for a week, two weeks, and I was doing very well, and I was one of the best players there too. So that's how Padma was able to see me. They saw me at these camps. They followed me for these three straight years, and then they invited me at 12 years old to be part of the academy. And um, and I got there. I got to Padma, man, and I was still the best player out there. So, you know, there was definitely something that was – I had the talent. Um, I took it very serious. Um, so that was just something that was instilled in me, right? That confidence and always trying to uh, and always trying to achieve the like you know the next goal. Uh, were you shocked ever... though? Were you shocked when it got to the level though of hearing that Manchester United and Fergie, uh, Giuseppe Rossi, like was that a different level? Yourself and Jared Piquet, who went yeah, on to be yeah. one of the best defenders of all time, arrive, and you, as Fergie said, Giuseppe's the future. Yeah, it's a man, whole different it was level. Definitely... It was definitely a surprise. I was 16 years old. I was playing for the second team of Parma. And um, I had this guy come up to me in the in um, uh, in the parking lot. He's like, Who was it? What scout was it? His name was Williams. His last name was Williams. And um, and David Williams. And uh, he comes out to the he comes out to the to the parking lot. He's like, give me your hand. I give him my hand. And he and he gives me a pin. I'm like, you see this pin right here? This is who I work for, and and we are we are interested in you. I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, holy shit, it's Manchester United. Mm. Like, and I, I, like it was just something amazing, right? I I never thought that literally we would be talking about a team like Manchester United. I knew that I was doing very well for bottom. I knew that I was one of the best young players out here in the in the country at 16 years old. Um, I was doing very well, but you know, you never really think about Manchester United and all these big teams, right? You're just very focused on the task at hand, which is, you know, to play for Padma, do well and whatnot. Um, and it was just a no-brainer, man. It was and just then like they, they sold you and PK kind of together. Um, were you told, this is Gerard, and you guys are going to be the future of the club? Because you did all the photos together, the scarf. We were told, because the United yeah. Academy was kind of lacking at that time. So the class of 92 came in, and then there was yes. still Wes, Wes Brown and John O'Shea, but it was kind of becoming a thing that United isn't produced with the same frequency it, it used to. So we're going to get in some foreign kids as the apparently academy guys and you and PK were, were given to us. Were you introduced yeah. to him before you did the photo shoots and going here, boys, Champions League in 10 years together? <laughs> no, I mean, truthfully, um, 
I got there the day before. Uh, on August 1st, he came in August 2nd. Um, I'll never forget that. But we grew up together, man. Um, I remember playing against BK um, when I was, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old with the national teams. I always said he was a great defender when he was that young. And, um, and you know, we grew up together. Those uh, those three years being at Manchester United, me personally, um, we were always together, you know, left and right. And, um, and uh, I got to know the kid. Um, amazing, amazing talent, great person. I met his family, great family. So uh, we definitely, uh, you know, we definitely kept in touch. Were you surprised United let Jared Pique go when you would have read it from afar? Were you surprised? Although, whatever, he wanted to go to Barcelona and we had Ferdinand and Vidic. Yeah. I was very surprised because I remember him playing a game in Champions League and he did very, very well. Mm. Uh, he, I, I, and if I remember correctly, he even saved a goal on the line for some reason. I remember these things. He scored away at Rome as well. He scored. There you go. He scored. And I, and I think it was against Galatasaray. Don't quote me, but it could have been against uh, Galatasaray that he played very well. And I know he was very attached to his to you know to Spain to Barcelona. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, playing in England is a different beast, man. Uh, yes, he had two great players like Rio. And uh, and Vidic, um, you know. But, but let's say Johnny Evans. You, you say playing in England is a different beast in terms of the physicality. Yeah. Are you saying that if we put Johnny Evans in La Liga, he's playing for yeah. Celta Vigo and Piquet's in a different class, but because it was England, Johnny Evans is actually closer to Piquet's effectiveness than we would think because it's so physical. Y yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, we, we all have, you know, we all have our traits. We all have our our ways on the field to where we feel comfortable. Um, you know, Pique did amazing. Listen, Pique, when he played for Manchester United, he did amazing. And listen, if you play for a big team um, like Manchester United, you're going to, you're going to, if you have the talent, you're always going to perform, right? It's just a matter of how comfortable do you feel, right? Playing at Barcelona, Pique played there for what? 15 years, right? 20 years. Um, if it was Manchester United, Maybe it would have. Maybe he wouldn't have played for twenty years or fifteen years, right? It would have taken a toll on him, mentally, physically, um, even you know, just outside of the pitch. So, uh, if you take like a Johnny Evans, who is from the area, yes, he is from you know, he's not from Manchester United, obviously, but I mean, he's not from Manchester, but more um, Exactly, exactly, right. So uh, there's a lot of commonalities on you know just the culture itself. And therefore, you feel more at home. You feel more comfortable. And therefore, um, Johnny had a great career. Uh, he played for Manchester United. He did well. Um, he went on, you know, to uh, two other teams and did very well. Also, if we're looking at uh, at these two young players at that time, PK, yes, he he was more talented. And I think uh, it but was Evans was more so comfortable there. expressing himself in that culture because he was used to the kind of gruesomeness of it and had nothing to lose. When PK always kind of had that longing for the serenity and beauty of Spanish culture, because people people cite that Bolton away game as the day PK was finished at United. And if you're thinking Bolton yeah. away, one of the first defenders that comes to mind is stick fucking Johnny Evans in there and let's talk about the troubles. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, I mean, just going back to what I said playing at such a big level, big team like Manchester United, it takes a big toll mentally, right? And if you're, if you don't, if it's not home, right? If you don't feel like it's home, then you're going to go and look for something else. While a Johnny Evans, for him is home. Like that's his culture, very close to his culture. And therefore you feel comfortable. Uh, he played for the biggest team in the world, Barcelona PK for 15, 20 years, right? And, and yes, it took a it took a toll on him mentally, but he felt comfortable. It was his home. 
And therefore, that's why he was able to last so long and play at such high levels. Because America is so nationalistic in so many ways, we see that in, in all walks of life, uh, not just sport. Um, do you find that your relationship within U.S. soccer, as they call it, circles, is in some way dampened by the fact that you didn't play for America? And is that one of the reasons why you never gave the MLS as much of a go as you might expect Giuseppe Rossi to do? Man, you know what? There's a long history with that. I mean, when I was at Manchester United, I had the possibility to play in the 2006 World Cup with with the U.S. national team. Um, I still remember being in my in my house uh, in Sale, <laughs> um, you know, just having the phone calls and uh, and you know contemplating. But there wasn't really much contemplation, man. I mean, uh, I grew up watching, you know, Baggio play. I was in. I went to the '94 World Cup in America and watch Italy play Ireland. Actually think about that. And we, yeah. and, and they beat us one, nothing, which was crazy. But, um, I went to see the game and, you know, Italy's Italy, bro. It's just in my blood. And, um, and there was really no, uh, there, there was no really thought about that. So, you know, a lot of people come out saying, you know, trader here, trader there. Um, take, he's just taking advantage. I'm taking advantage of what, I mean, you know, it's just something that, that is in me. Um, but, you know, I've always had, I've always followed American soccer. I was always hoping to see it grow and get better and get do, better. Do you, think, do you think we'll ever see it? Do you ever? Do you, do you really think that? <sighs> do you, do you know? I think America. America's so powerful commercially that we realize that we're never going to see it. They're never going to understand what 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 soccer's about, or football's about, or fan culture. That football itself is watering itself down and becoming more sensationalist via the media that we're nearly actually going to the American audience now, as opposed to trying to suck them in football, selling itself out to make itself more globally commercial. And it's now chasing the common yank. You said it, you said it, that they're a powerhouse commercially. Yeah. Right? So and, if that is, we went first, to them, how embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. So like if your first thought is about the commercial part is how am I able to, you know, uh, make a buck, on this sport, then you're already starting off with the wrong foot. I mean, you have to have people who love the game, that want to grow the game, that want to give the right product, the right product to the fans, and how you start that from the ground up, right? By by uh, by um, uh, by having the right people teach the game mm -hmm. to the youth, to where this youth grows up and understands. Uh, the beauty of this game, the integrity of the game, like yeah. what it means to but, be. But but all gone right. with video game culture and the fact that Thierry Henry and Mika Richards are now doing keepy uppies and crossbar challenges in New York on American channels. And the yeah. American in general was always much more kind of um, motivated by money due to the fact that it's a new country and that history and those old school values and principles aren't really there due to the invasion of the white man who kicked out the brown man essentially so money being kind of a modern phenomenon has always really been there since the foundation of the US state so they've always been the quickest to know how to commercialize music movie art and also sports and NBA NFL and all these things were always much more focused on money and when the Premier League sold itself to Sky in 1992 it was always going that way and it was never a case of grow the sport bring Beckham and Pele over there Fuck that. It was about mm -hmm. get cheerleaders on the ground, on the pitch like Sky tried originally, and eventually mm -hmm. get American owners and change the whole concept of TV and have Ronaldo sit down with Pierce Morgan and pretend that he really means anything he's saying and that it's not just edited <laughs> bullshit to go viral on Twitter. And football's <laughs> integrity is on the floor the same way that the US sports has been on the floor for years, according to the Thank generic you. English fan. So now we actually have our great meeting 
of um, unity over the sport of football. And that's why we now have a Winter World Cup in Qatar, a nation that doesn't believe in human rights. And there's no more football v. soccer debate. And it's no longer our sport matters more because the athletes and fans care more. It's just no one cares about anything other than filling their pocket. And I presume that you're quite happy that you're kind of coming to the end of a football career because at least you got to get a taste and a smell of real football in comparison to what it is now. It would have had its critics in the noughties, but you still went to Sunderland away and scored and watched real United fans in the ground. And there wasn't YouTubers trying to get autographs. <laughs> Listen, man, everything you're saying, I agree with it 100%. Uh, literally, I was thinking about this the other day where I'm towards the end of my career. I'm 35 years old. And I am happy that it's ending in this time just because yeah. I don't see myself uh, growing how this sport is growing, in which direction it's going to. I'm somebody who feels, right? Like I, I feel the game. I feel the love for the game. I love giving the emotions to the fans. I want them to yeah. be happy. I want, I want to hear the oohs and the ahs and going crazy when we score. Listen, if I have to hear the boos, I hear the boos too. Right. So it's not such a commercialized um, uh, fan base to where it doesn't matter if we win. It doesn't matter if we if we uh, uh, if we lose, just as long as I get your autograph. So then I could go out and sell it on eBay and make a couple dollars on mm -hmm. it. Right. Like like there's it's very hard to find those passionate young fans anymore just because of how the sport uh, is being commercialized. And that takes away so much from from what the game truly is, right? Yep. What are the real emotions that this game can give and, you? And, and you'll know this having Italian lineage. It was all about a representation of a culture. And the reason the Italians were so into yeah. it is because many of these Italians were had five people living in apartments above each other. And it was all about family unity and neighbors. And Napoli's better than Milan, not just as a football team, but our fucking culture is. But we're all fighting against the same oppressor, really. And Italy and England both shared that passion, as well as Spain. And there's numerous countries that did. And and there's a lot of people now involved in the game that do not understand that. And you would have had the opportunity. Okay. Like, you scored a hat-trick on Buffon in 14 minutes. Like, there's a lot of things people don't even know about what Giuseppe Rossi did because he's associated with, with Manchester United and obviously the Villarreal stint. But there's so many times in which you could have been the big franchise player at an MLS team and I presume made more money than you went on to make as a footballer. And it's just not something that ever interested you. But characters like you no longer exist in the game. And that's just the truth of it. Yeah, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that follow the money, right? I think that's the. We go back to it, right? It's all. It's all about that dollar bill, and or that euro, or where wherever you feel, uh, wherever you're playing, right? But the thing is, the pound, Giuseppe. If you're really, if you're really the pound, the pound. I'm so sorry. You're right. <laughs> My bad. Um, but but today, right? What do we? What do we read about players or sports in general? Huge transfer fees, how much these players make. Um, and I'm going to even go to the NBA and the NFL side and all these people. Listen, I want to be the highest paid player in my position. I'm not going to come on the field or I'm not going to go out in a boxing ring if I don't get X amount. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like, who, like we, are, we are prioritizing the money instead of the love for for this sport that we have right so everything is just shifting and i feel like the youngins today are seeing that and they're using it in their everyday life to where 
where it's okay to feel entitled. Like all these other guys, they're feeling they 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 can get what they want. I'm 19 years old. I score a hat trick. Guess what? I want $10 million in the bank tomorrow. Sign like, yeah. like, and, and then guess what? These teams are giving that are giving these players everything and more. Just look at the Mbappe contract. Great player. Amazing. But you're giving him all this power at 22, 23 years old. I mean, bro, come on, man. There's a limit to everything. But what does this show today? That there is no limit to, to anything. Like you could get what the hell you want. So society today is like, you know what? If I see this on the TV, if I see this entitlement, um, then it's okay for me to be entitled when I'm at school, when I'm dealing with, uh, I'm going to look for, um, a job at a restaurant. Listen, I want 15 an hour. Otherwise I'm gone. Like, no, bro. Like you have to make, you have to make a name for yourself. You have to earn it. But the climb doesn't exist no more today. Yeah. And the climb from rags to riches is so much quicker now due to social media. And that's what these sports and these art forms were. So the railroad fucking workers made up football to have meaning as the oppressed. The great bands were singing their heart out because they didn't have much. And all they could rely on was emotional love and their ability to say what they fucking felt while playing the guitar. And the money man always bought it. And the money man has now bought football. And originally it was just about paying the players, but now they've bought the culture. Now it's about the FIFA ratings and now it's about the YouTuber showing up, getting the selfie and the sport has no working class integrity left. But then... You have the option of, okay, make new things that represent the working classes. But even that's gone because even the working class now know themselves that the quickest way to make this to the top is film my dad getting pranked or me spraying ketchup in his face and I get 2 million views and I get 10 grand. So artistic integrity is just on the floor because we've created a culture in which that 15 minutes of fame or that rise to that paycheck, if you're willing to sell your soul to a way unimaginable to our grandparents or parents, if you're willing to do it, you can get paid instantly now. I mean, yeah, and there's no pride. Yes, yeah. You're rewarded. Yeah. The, the more the more shameless you are, the more rewarded you are now in society. The I biggest agree creators in the world are the most embarrassing people in the world. YouTubers claiming they can box real boxers, and then in the next episode, after they fucking fought Floyd Mayweather, are telling us their personal sex life information. That in a way just describes rape. And the same thing Harvey Weinstein was doing. Oh, I have this girl in my DMs because I'm a famous YouTuber and she wants to ride me. Was that not what Harvey Weinstein was doing and we have him in jail? Was he not abusing his power and his ability to put you in a position um, higher to what you are now? We've just gone crazy. It it just shows you how normalized certain behaviors have become. It just shows you the shift of culture that today, that we see listen i'm i'm in sports and i see it in sports but it's being transferred and it's being moved to the everyday life right and let's if we go back to the sports right and and the shift in culture why 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 because obviously we're talking about the money and everybody follows money the people that are put in the position in the power position who are they right they are not football people they don't give a shit if if Manchester United wins or loses, right? You go, I mean, if, if you go talk to the to these United fans about what's his name, Glazer, yeah. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna go crazy, right? Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like they don't care. There's no care. There's no love. There's no there's no attachment to um to 
to what the, to what they uh, to what they own to what they represent. There's such a there's such a divide between, like you said, right, the class people who are the true, true, true fans who brought these club teams to you know a certain level to uh, to have a certain culture around this um, to have, like around the city and around the world, right? It's thanks to these guys, right? But there is no recognition to this new blood that are in these teams to these people. They what, don't care. What's they also care. and what's also interesting, like every great oppressor and every great dictator, similar to what the Brits caused in Ireland, they now have us fighting amongst ourselves and asking <laughs> each other: Is Ronaldo wrong? Is Ten Hag right? The real answer is the fucking Glazers called the caused the whole issue. Ronaldo yeah. should have left in the summer, and he is kind of right to not want to sit in a bench behind a Langan Rashford. And Ten Hag's also right to not want to play him because he wants to move on and start a new era. But they kept him at the club because they wanted yeah. to fucking abuse his commercial viability. Exactly. And they did let Ten Hag get rid of him. And now both Ronaldo and Ten Hag are kind of right, but they're having a civil war. And what yeah. I liked about Ronaldo's interview, although he's getting criticized, is that he did point the finger at the Glazers. And Ten Hag's not in a position to be able to do that because he's employed by them. But Ronaldo's kind of saying, I'm willing to fuck off now. These people don't care about the club. But the and, media, and, because the media yeah. are the people who cause these civil wars, because they're the biggest money chasers, are trying to frame it as Ronaldo criticizes Ten Hag or Rooney or Neville. But what he's really, in a way, doing is saying none of us really have control over this, and I was a victim of it myself. I came back here stupidly because my ego's so big, thinking I was still good enough to play for United, but I didn't realize I was this much of a fucking product. I may as well just be a toy on a shelf. They didn't think I was good enough, and I'm always going to be deluded enough to think I am because that's how I won five Ballon d'Ors. My self-belief is through the roof, and who? none of us want Ronaldo to lose his self-belief. Don't of call course. him delusional. That self-belief is what gave us the genius. That that he is. So, and And... and, and... Who loses at the end, man? It's always the fans. You yeah. think that they want to? You think that they want to have this all this bullshit in the news, left and right? People, uh, coach fighting with you know Ronaldo. This yeah. no man. They don't want to see that. They want to. They want to be proud of their club, right? But it's, hand, it's, ha it's handy for it's handy for the Glazers though because it kind of exactly, keeps the finger exactly, off Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the fans are the ones that lose, and that's why there's such a huge disconnect where these people don't give a shit. Where 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 these owners, if it's American owners, Asian owners, they don't give a crap, man. They don't give a crap about the culture. They think that they are entitled just because you have billions of dollars that you feel entitled to come into this new world and change everything. And guess what? They're doing it. They're literally doing it. They 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 have been given the power to to whoever the hell it is. I we're mean, talking. We're I talking about the same people here who agreed on European Super League. I mean, with the, 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 please, the, the way get, the way they just bought our attention that shit, away don't from that. Don't get me started on that crap. Like, don't get me started. We have to nearly pretend like that didn't happen. And don't bringing in players like that, Ronaldo man. distracts kind of the the fans who maybe have short attention spans or are addicted to excessive information on social media. And we all have to pretend like these aren't the same owners who caused all of this. You believe it's like the Liverpool green, fans celebrating we got to the European Cup final, you're shitting, you're in the Europa League. It's like, yeah, but didn't we come together and shake hands when our, when our owners and clubs were attempting to join the European Super League? Let's deal with the bigger issue at hand here. Forget who's better, forget who's shit. The game's yeah. in the fucking pits. Yep. Yep, I'm with you, man. And the greed is just... Is just ridiculous, right? I mean, nobody cares. Like, nobody gives, nobody just cares anymore, man. Nobody, nobody wants to see the success on the field where that is the main priority. 
The main so, priority so, so, is... So do you have no interest okay. when you retire of getting back involved in football? Like I said, I don't see myself going in the same direction of, of how this game is going. Uh, I'm somebody that's very passionate about this, right? You just brought up the Super League, and that, and that just triggered me, right? Because that would have been the demise of, of European world football, right? The integrity of the sport would have been gone, like even more than what it is today, right? And but it, this it, is it, what, it will eventually this is what happen in a different want. way. It, it will eventually manifest itself in a different way. And you can just, exactly. it, you know what I mean? And this is what they want, man. This is yeah. what they want. So I can't be a part of a world in the future. Uh, I can't, yeah, I cannot be part of this world to where I don't agree. And I'm not going to succumb to to certain ideas because I am prou- I'm proud of how I grew up. I'm proud of the game that I fell in love with. And I'm not going to make these people that have no idea what the hell soccer football is. I don't want that. I don't want them to take it away from me. I love, I love the game. I want to keep the game the way that I, uh, discovered it. And I think that's why as neutrals, and that's why as neutrals, we've always, especially as the Irish, uh, less so much the English, because they'd have envy about the quality of Italian footballers, but there's a love and not just for the long hair and the handsome complexion. Uh, of Italian footballers, but for the passion, the passion of what the game means to the people of Italy. They're so emotional, and and it's whether it's about any art or any walk of life. I mean, go back to the fucking Renaissance. The Italians have always understood the importance of expressing yourself via an external force. But yes. United have never really had an Italian um, savior mm-hmm. in ways. We've had Cantona, and we, we've had yeah. the French, but that's why when Giuseppe Rossi was at United, I always envied Zola at Chelsea. I always envied De Canio at West Ham. There was just something particularly passionate from a value point of view. And I'm not saying you would have been jumping into fucking crowds and all that, but I really wanted yeah. Rossi to be a representation of what Manchester United was going for. Because I kind of just knew by the way you carried yourself that you'd be a great voice for the club to have. Thank you. No, it, 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 it was something that I wish really did happen. And like I said, there was... Um, Fergie, uh, he, he wanted me to stay and I told him, uh, and I told him that I needed to have, I needed to feel part of a team. I needed to feel as if, as if, um, I was going to get the chance in order to show my abilities. And obviously in football, there's no guarantees. He told me, and I totally understood that. And that's hundred percent, but I just wanted to make sure that, that, um, that I was thought as, uh, as an option. Am I wrong uh, in saying I mean, that you went you went to Newcastle on loan at a bad period for the club in general, uh, for Newcastle? Did that yeah. kind of make you want to leave England a bit? Like if you'd gone to a no, different club, no, no, it'd no, no. a bit better. No, not one bit, man. Because listen, the, after that, I went to Padma. I did very well in the Serie. A. Um, you know, scoring nine goals in eighteen games, which is something uh, that was awesome. And you know, I gained, I gained that experience. I gained some exposure, and I showed. Listen, I'm capable of playing at these levels, right? And I'm back, but it's just going back to you know Carlos Queiroz. He didn't, uh, he didn't want to give up on his players. Obviously, right? He just brought them in, and he didn't see me. Uh, he saw me more as a threat. Um, did you, than, did you uh, like? Did you like Queiroz as a, as a guy? No, no, I did not like him one bit. I don't like. I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like his two face, um, his two face uh, attitude. The way do you reckon he, he was financially himself. benefiting off getting those boys in? And him kind of picking. Do you reckon he knew the agents a bit, and there was a there was a different agenda to it? That I don't know. I didn't hear anything about that, and I don't want to speculate on that. 
Um, but I just know that there was a lot of favoritism played there. I know that he had, he had a lot of power in decisions during that time, um, which was a shame um, because I would have I would have definitely loved to stay there. Uh, but listen, if if that didn't happen, then I wouldn't have had the chance to go to Villarreal and really explode. Um, the yellow submarine. Exactly, man, and show you know the world that I was capable but, of playing. But, at but real right quick, now. without without obviously refusing to move on from United because I'm a fan. Uh, did you like Fergie as a man though, as well uh, as well as just respect and not just knowing his brilliance as a manager and how much he cared as a person? Do you think his values? Because you talk about Queer has been two faced, oh. but obviously Fergie was a stand up guy, was he? Fergie was the best, man. Fergie was the best. I mean, uh, he he during you know training during the games he would get on you. He would, you know, tell you with a nice stern voice certain things, right? And um, I was at the end of, you know, certain, uh, certain, uh, uh, certain conversations. You know, that got kind of heated after a game. I remember versus Birmingham, um, he got it. He, uh, he really got into me. Um, but listen, it's all part of growing up. There's a lot of, you know, it's called tough love. And uh, he loved every single player. He treated his young kids. Uh, the same way he treated the stars. Um, he would treat us literally with a heart of gold. Um, and, uh, I mean, I have nothing, nothing bad to say about uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, just a, just a stand-up guy. When we talk about the demise of something and how ugly it's gotten when it comes to football, is it difficult for you as a man, actually, in general, moving forward, to see the thing that you've committed your life to since you were, like, what, eight years of age? Um, start to leave a bad taste in your mouth? Do you kind of wonder, at 50, will I even be watching games? You know what? I don't know about that. Um, but it's never going to leave me because I fell in love with, with the game. I'm 35, right? So 35 years ago, I fell in love with the game then, which was, which was football at its purest, right? And that's something that is going to stay with me forever. So every time I go outside in the backyard or if I play a pickup game, that's the soccer. That's the, that's the passion, the love that I'm going to play with, knowing that the game uh, that I fell in love with 35 years ago is, uh, is, 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 is still in me. What it is today is not what I fell in love with. And it's almost as if I'm saying – as if I'm rebelling towards what this new blood is trying to bring in, uh, which is something that I do not want and something that I don't advocate for. Uh, but I will advocate for whenever I, if I ever get into training with, with, you know, young bloods or whatever it is, I'm going to tell them, listen, this is the soccer that I fell in love with. So, so it's never going to die. It's never going to make, it's never going to make me look at the game a different way because I know the game. I played it. Um, I felt it. Do you know what would be romantic, Giuseppe? Yeah. Obviously, you're you're training on your own now. We all yeah. know how gifted you are, um, and you still definitely have a you you still have a good bit of football in you. If you yeah. if you, if you proved, um, no, sorry, you don't need to prove it. But if you if you just made the statement and just hear me out, sure, of playing a game or ten games for FC United of Manchester. The breakaway uh, club founded by fans who decided they were no longer supporting Manchester United when the Glazers took over in 2005. Now, of course, it's below your level, but the yeah. sentiment of it and what it would mean would be so powerful that it would change people's lives, not just in a footballing sense, but in a way, personally, because it would give you a lot of faith in humanity. 
if you were willing to just do five games, a short, small-term loan deal to FC United and Manchester for fuck me, is that not exactly what football's about? <laughs> I mean, I remember when FC United uh, was formed. Um, I was I was there, I think, uh, when all this happened because that's, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, when Glazer came about and, you know, the fans rebelled and whatnot. Um, I totally remember, you know, uh, what the fans were saying and how they felt betrayed and uh, just these fans making, you know, building up uh, this, you know, this, this club team just shows you that the true fans still exist, that the true fans are not letting go and they will never let go just because it's a part of us. Right. And just like you said, if there's ever that opportunity, man, I would take it in a heartbeat just because of how, um, just because, well, of course, man, just, just because of how I, I love, I love to see the old fans continue to bring forth those old traditions, those old... FC would 100% love to have you. Listen, that's something that we could definitely talk about, man. That's, it's not something that I... That I'm gonna that I'm gonna just brush you know just brush yeah. under the rug because but 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 what I am saying is you uh, are one of the few ex footballers yeah. and probably due to the fact that you were subject to a different in a way education background than a lot of the people who who play professional football you'd be more self aware in many ways and more aware how the world works probably yeah. because the the American education system really in a way um yeah. think about that. Think about yeah. what that actually would represent and mean. Just a five game loan deal, one month. Do a Henrik Larsson on the bastard, three months. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, it's something uh it's something great just because of, you know, the commonalities that fans have, that those specific fans have with the way that I look at the game. Yeah. Uh, which I think many of people in my generation still look at the game. Um, you know, we don't want that to die. We want that to still be present that's what we want to show our kids right the love and the passion that this game gives and and it has nothing to do with um it has nothing to do with having a huge beautiful stadium it doesn't have nothing to do with having leather seats while i'm sitting down nothing to do with you know um uh players making uh 10 million dollars and you know having uh two players that are worth 100 million dollars it has nothing to do with it man it's got nothing to do with it. Um, and I think, you know, the beliefs that FC United have are the right ones and the right ones to bring forth. There's a lot of <laughs> listeners here who also um, would love to hear Giuseppe on football a bit. So I'll do it in quite a simple way. Sure. Just so the listeners hopefully understand just how diverse and unique your career was. If we're doing an all-time 11 of Giuseppe Rossi yeah. teammates, what do we have? Van der Sar, Buffon and Goal? Oh, man, I love Edwin, bro. He was my guy. He was my guy. But, I mean, Buffon's Buffon, right? I'm definitely putting in – I'm going to have to put Buffon in, uh, do, in do there. You not think, do you not think Edwin was, was nearly just perfect, though? Of course. No, no. He was amazing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking nothing away from him. It's just like you're talking about Buffon. I, I, I play with both of them. And, um, and obviously, if you want to give if – if you do want to compare in the goal, saving, whatnot, Buffon was just a bigger beast. He was more explosive. Is he is uh, he is he a good guy, Buffon? Because I read a great story. He said that he had depression, and then he went with gallery and saw a piece of art, and it changed his worldview. And I just thought, Jesus Christ, uh, what a solution for um, just a mental dip that is, as opposed to fucking the pharmaceutical company's medication they love shoving in uh, their fucking faces. Uh, I like what Buffon's about. Is he as good as he seems? Yeah, man, he's got. 
he's a he's a he's a great guy, uh, a great character to have on the team. Uh, funny dude. Um, he's definitely uh, he's definitely a guy that you want in the changing room, right? Yeah. And also, listen, the way that he prepares, the way that he prepares. Um, you're talking about one of the best goalkeepers in the history of the game. And watching him, the way that he trains and the intensity that he puts in, very, you know, very, um, uh, very, uh, very, very attentive to the small details. Yeah. Um, that's something that, you know, uh, that I saw when I was growing up in the Italian national team and something that I that I actually took that I uh, took something from him, uh, which is which is like just this attention to small details. Um, I was younger. And I saw Ruben Nistra do it, but I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't like incorporate it in my game, right? But I saw it being done with, you know, with with multiple players, uh, Buffon, and then you know, um, I started playing. Uh, I started playing with Robert Pires in Villarreal, uh, and we all know who Robert Pires is, right? So you see this happening over and over again, and um, when you grow, you're able to make it yours. I also love what those guys represent in terms of like the ability to work hard, but also keep your soul, because we sell a culture now yeah. that being disciplined means that you have to be some kind of robot who believes in self-help books and the judgment of others on Instagram. But when I know how hardworking people like Buffon were whilst keeping their soul and romanticism, that's what life's a fucking about. And the generation now is just missing out on characters like that, whether it's in sports everyday life music well, film anything of course because i mean you have to understand how to divide right meaning i am i am the football player giuseppe rossi and i am the 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 everyday giuseppe rossi right today i feel like you're the football player giuseppe rossi 24 7 and that takes a big toll on you right um, because of the pressures that it brings, uh, because of uh, um, because of you know certain standards that you have to meet. Now, it's okay to be the in this case, right? I'm talking about me, the Giuseppe Rossi normal guy that just likes to play FIFA, uh, that likes to sit down and you know watch movies all day or go out on a bike, right? Like it's okay to be the everyday guy. It's okay to break, um, you know, it's okay to break from from your other alter ego, which is, you know, the sports guy. Um, and today, just like you say, right, uh, we, we like we commercialize a lot the the player without caring too much about the man himself. And, you know, that's what leads to having so so much pressure on this athlete to always be that athlete and forgetting who they really are. And it's also the uh, reason why we have um, homosexuals in football not coming out. And we say that it's a problem uh, within the game and that the game itself is structured in homophobia. But it's really the media and our judgment and our expectancy of what we perceive footballers as. And they try to settle to something that it's locker room homophobia. They can't come out to teammates. Every single gay footballer in the Premier League's teammates already know it's the yeah, media I mean, that don't know and who aren't entitled to fucking know. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point because uh, I feel like I feel like sports does get a bad rep in the sense of, you know, what are these, what are the people? Yeah, uh, high school jock in a way, a simplified version of the high creating? school jock theory. 
Yeah, exactly, right? You see on how, like, you see in movies, the high school jog, all this stuff, right? So, like, what are they creating? Like, what is the atmosphere or the environment around uh, sports, right? And sometimes I'm hearing, I read, and I see things. I'm like, these people are delusional. They have, like, no mm -hmm. idea really what it is, like, you know, what the locker room is, uh, who we are as people, right? I mean... I guess it's a way. Uh, it's it's a way for media. It's a way for and they, uh, and, and they think that you're chasing a ball for a living or wearing shorts, but really all the things they that they deal with in their own careers, such as family management, whilst managing your career, or the ability to negotiate, or who to have represent you, or colleague fucking relations, they're all relevant. It's the exact same thing as all these, in a way, even corporate jobs, but it's just nearly patronized, not the footballers care because they're so much more financially well off, but it's nearly patronized as um, something of a Neanderthal. They're running around, hitting each other, tackling each other for our entertainment. They could not have brains. But there's much yeah. more to a lot of these athletes than, than even the media portray. Of course there is. Of course there's so much more. But it's just the environment that's being built around sports. Um, it's what these media companies, it's what uh, the owners um, want to create in order to benefit their pockets, right? We're just, we're just you know... We're we're just pawns. Who do we got right back? Okay, give me the right back. Give me the right back. The right. I'm back. gonna say Gary Neville. You know what? I will take. I I will take Gary Neville. I will take Gary Neville on the right back. Great professional. Uh, was he a good man to work with? Was he dismissive of you and was so focused great. on his no, own no, job? No, no, no. He's great. He's great. Gary was a he was a character man. Strong willed. Um, you know, tough tough guy on young kids. But I loved it. I really, really loved it. I saw him uh, four years ago when I was at Manchester United training when there was Oli. Uh, yeah. I trained there for like, you know, two months. I saw Gary and was there ever a thought of you getting a contract in, in that little training? I remember that in 2019, you trained at United for a bit. Was, yeah, there yeah, ever, yeah, was there ever a thought that you were getting a deal? Well, listen, I went to Oli and I'm like, hey, listen, Oli, I'm here training. I'm doing well. Um, I can hang because I have the quality to hang and, you know, and and what, what what are your thoughts over here you know and um and he said yeah just said listen uh, there's no doubt that you are a that you are a manchester united player there's no doubts about your quality yeah. um it's just that i'm in a position to where to where i really can't uh, make a decision because I, i've only been on the job for like 2 3 months and it kind of sucked though because i know that i could have played I, I could have played at those levels and i was okay being the guy that came in for 10 yeah. minutes and in the game it's okay i was fine with doing that right i i i uh i've always seen myself coming back right you you were talking about that clause right that that like buyback clause yeah. and i always thought that it was gonna happen right and it didn't happen amen oh, what can you do right but i always thought that i was gonna get back there and this was the time where i was like yo i'm training my ass off and i'm doing so well i'm getting along with all the lads um i i know a couple of the guys um too personally so and and then you had Ole. Ole, I played with him um, in the first team. He came down to the reserves the first year that I was there, the second year that I was there. And, uh, you know, he he. I always had a lot, of, um, a lot of respect for him, obviously, because he was Ole. Um, and he had a lot of he, and he had a lot of respect for me, too, as a player, seeing that I was a, like, you know, a young buck coming up the ranks. Um, but we were also we were being accused enough for living in the past by getting Solskjaer in that if he had gone right, guys, I have a surprise for you. Giuseppe Rossi. Are you fucking joking? This is not 2010. <laughs> that would have been amazing, man. I mean, 
it was the wrong. It's 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 always about timing, right? It's, it's always about timing, and unfortunately, maybe that was the wrong. Center backs, right. Giuseppe. We got Buffon. We got Neville. Who who are we going in the middle? Are we putting Rio Ferdinand in there? Are we putting PK in there? What are we doing? I mean, listen, PK, one hundred percent. I'm going in there because PK was my did, PK did, for me. Did, did you did you play them. with Chiellini? I played with Giorgio too. Listen, between him, Giorgio Chiellini, between, uh, Nemanja Vidić, Rio Ferdinand, I, I went against the best. I went against the best. Uh, Cannavaro, come on, man. Why, 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 when you're Cannavaro. saying players' names, do you break the American accent? Is that just because you have the habit of watching great footballers with your father, who was Italian, or what? Every single name were you. We're, we're not far off going uh, Wayne Rooney here. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Listen, Wayne Rooney, no, because he's English, <laughs> so I'm saying Rooney, but Bold it's just skull. me, man. My name is Giuseppe Rossi. My name is not Giuseppe Rossi. My name is Giuseppe Rossi. Right, yeah, I was taught. That's how I was taught to say my name. So, listen, if I see an Italian word, it's um, it's said in Italian. So you're but a Maradona guy, yeah? I'm a big Maradona guy, yes, sir. And are you a Kevin Nolan guy, or what are you? Kevin Nolan? Who the hell is that? I'm just kidding. No. Right, so we're going Neville, and what we're, what we're doing, we're doing PK and Chiellini, and we're we going PK and Ferdinand. Bro, I mean, it's really a toss-up. You got Ferdinand, Emania, you have uh, Cannavaro. You got all these guys, man. I, it's hard to pick. You pick two for me. I don't know. No, but that's what the eleven is. That's that's what you're. That, that's your responsibility. Right, you here, know what? Joseph. Give me PK Cannavaro. PK Cannavaro. How many times you play with Cannavaro? Oh, I played him in the national team. Okay, yeah, but how many times? Like, well, because he would have been coming oh, to the end, Yeah, a good fifteen games, maybe fifteen, twenty games. Who, who are we going left back? Left back. I will go with Patrice Evra. Okay. Yep. That's phenomenal. Buffon, Neville, PK, Cannavaro, ever. What the fuck are we even talking about here? I'm just putting skulls in, and I don't really actually. It's it's the one position I don't want you to have an opinion on. Skulls. Has no, to no, no. Skulls was the best. Skulls and Giggsy were the best players that I ever played with. Mm. Skulls uh, and Perlo. We go Skulls and Perlo. We go Skulls, Pirlo. We go Skulls, Marco Senna. Oh my gosh, she was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would definitely probably go Pirlo. Skulls, Skulls Pirlo. and Perlo. So this is possibly like uh, the greatest eleven. Um. Of teammates probably oh, ever conceived. Uh, and you're going Giggs was, left wing. You you say Giggs has to be in fortunate. it. Yes. Oh, Giggs, yeah, 100%. So then I presume we're just going Ronaldo on the right, Cristiano. Give me Ronaldo on the right. Give me Van Nistelrooy. And, and Rooney off him or you off him? What are you doing here? Go Rooney, I presume. That would, that, would just be, that would just be stupid if we... We could put Rooney up there. But I would love to have a chance on that team too. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll put you on the bench then. So, so what we got okay. here is Super Buffon, sub. Super Neville, Pique, Cannavaro, Evra, Skulls, Perlo, Giggs, Ronaldo, Rooney, Vanistroy, Giuseppe Rossi. That 11 sums up um, what a career you had. And the Thank conversation you. we've had, I hope for the listeners, uh, has summed up what a man you are. I appreciate you coming on the MA show. And uh, hopefully we can chat again. And I'm serious about FC United in Manchester. Consider it. And let's make it fucking happen. Giuseppe Rossi, everybody. It, Thank you. And my show. It's been Good talk, man. I appreciate it. Years, my boy. You still don't know my tears of joy. No need to go, just take it slow. And have you heard the Michael Anthony show? Makes me feel just fine. What's it makes me see the light. What about those tears? Tears believe my eyes. How's it make it feel? Makes me 